Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. And I am your host, Peter, an 80s baby. And joining me today is Seth from the Take Me to Your Reader podcast. How are you doing, Seth? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And you are a little bit older than I. I am. I'm a 70s baby. And you are probably kind of like David in this movie here. Uh, yeah. I, I would say he's a 70s baby. He drops a, a Bee Gees uh, line <laughs> later on. I, I, I never caught that before, but I heard yeah. that. I was like, oh, okay. You know, I can get down with David. Yeah, I think he's, what, 12 in 1978, so he's like a late 60s baby. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. He grew up in the 70s, clearly. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is the first time you've been on this show, but you have joined me on my other show, Original Remake, Mm -hmm. where we discuss uh, Ocean's Eleven. So uh, I would encourage listeners to go check that out. That was a fun episode. That was. Yeah, I had a good time with you on there. So uh, this movie came out in 1986. Some other movies that came out in 1986. Tell me if you heard some of these. Aliens. Oh, yeah. One of my favorites. Yep. So that's the sequel. How about Howard the Duck also came out the same weekend as this movie. I never actually watched that one. Really? So yeah. you missed out. Okay. I had I had friends who were huge fans of it, but I never saw it. I think I think it's fine. You know, I don't hate it as much as everyone else, but it it, it has Leah Thompson in it. You know, uh, so so yeah. I'm a little I'm a little biased there. True. Um, one Crazy Summer. I don't know that one. I think that's the one with John Cusack and Demi Moore. I could be uh-huh. wrong. Yeah. Um. How How about Stand by Me? Oh yeah, that's a good yep. one. Very good one. So that's that's one I would like to do with Phoenix too, since it's a coming coming of age story. So that'll be interesting to see what he thinks about that. Yeah. And uh, I I wasn't um, I never really saw this movie, but I know it's big with people. Uh, Transformers, the movie. Yeah, absolutely. That that one uh, that was like a game changer for me. The the idea of you know I grew up watching the Transformers cartoon, and so then watching that movie where the stakes were higher and like. Autobots were getting killed. It was it was mind blowing. So, mm. Mm. so so you would clearly recommend that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just I've, I've never seen it. I, I wasn't a huge uh, Transformers kid, mm-hmm. you know. Surprisingly, I was more more of like a Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Uh, I guess more of your early '90s kind of toys. Um, it's probably you know like whatever was on after you got out of school. I mean, because Transformers and GI Joe were that for me. See, G.I. Joe's, I, I feel, was in the morning as as well. Oh, okay. So I think those were more in the morning for me. So you, you're right. Like Ninja Turtles, all those were uh, in the afternoon. So that that's what I kind of grew up on. So some of the songs, uh, the number one song at the time of this movie's release was uh, uh, one of my favorites, Glory of Love by Peter Cetera. Nice. It's a good one. A very good one from uh, Karate Kid Part 2. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the number one song that preceded it is Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. <laughs> See, you know that one? There, there's a whole list of songs that I heard for the first time in polka form from Weird Al, because mm. I was a huge Weird Al fan. Okay. And that was one of them, where it was on one of the polkas on his album. He did Sledgehammer. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, he okay. always did like a medley on the on the polkas. So. Yeah, I, I, I've caught some of those. Uh, I've, I've checked out some of his albums for sure. Yeah. Uh, the number one song that uh, supersedes it is Papa Don't Preach by Madonna. Oh, nice. So not a bad time for music. So some pretty good ones. And Bon Jovi had a, wasn't Slippery When Wet? Didn't that come out 1986 as well? Let's see. Uh, bon Jovi. Uh, well, I'm not seeing any number one songs oh, Okay. Um, by him. 
around the receipt. No, uh, you get uh, you give love a bad name came out uh, number one in November, late November. Okay, so there you go. Now, so, Top Gun came out in 1986 too, didn't it? Let's take a look. Yeah, it probably was. I, I was only looking like within the you know within like a couple months of each other. Top Gun was number one that year. Yep, yeah. you're right. Crocodile Dundee and Platoon also came out that year. Sweet. Yeah, I uh, I did a lot of listening to that um, Top Gun album, the soundtrack. Mm. Well, I, I do know Berlin. Um, oh, I yeah. uh, let me see. One of my favorites was also Danger Zone. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sure if I heard it, I, I would recognize it. But I so so it was a, a really huge album. I oh, would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, for me anyway. Yeah. Well, it was a big movie, so yeah, I could see that. They they don't make soundtracks like they used to, do they? No, they sure don't. Yeah. Every now and then, you know, something comes out of nowhere and 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 does it like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's no. where like the music is another character in the movie, almost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I can't wait for part two, so I'd mm-hmm. be very curious to see what they got there. And now, speaking of music, this movie here, uh, Flight of the uh, Navigator, uh, it is directed by Randall Kleiser, mm-hmm. and uh, it stars Joey Kramer uh, as David Freeman. Uh, Paul Rubens voices Max, which is the uh, the spaceship, and Cliff DeYoung is his dad. Uh, I don't know if he's ever called Bill. I mean, he's credited as Bill Freeman, but we'll just call him Dad. And Veronica Cartwright is Mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, Sarah Jessica Parker has a small role in here, and also uh, head of the class. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's that's pretty much all the the main characters. We got you know some smaller ones. Uh, you know his younger brother, the older version is Matt Adler, and Albie Whitaker plays the the younger version of Jeff. So, um, Seth, what is your history with this movie? Um, well, so I was trying to look back at that and figure out how old I was when I when I, sorry, when the movie came out. Um, I think I was thirteen, I guess. I'm born in 72. So I'm heading into eighth grade. And it was one of those, you know, it's a different time where like now a trailer drops, it's all over the internet. Everybody sees it immediately where, where this movie, I saw the poster and that was it. I'd never seen a trailer for it. And my friend's mom wanted to take us to a movie and piled us in the car and went to this, you know, basically sight unseen, had no idea what to expect. And I was blown away by the movie. I mean, the the visual effects, it had comedy. You know, it was just like a perfect movie for, for a 13-year-old kid. Yeah, I don't remember what age I saw this, but, you know, recently I covered uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. And in that review, I mentioned that it was almost like listening to a song. You know, like I uh, I knew the the lines as they were coming, and if anything was off, I would have known it was off, that kind yeah. of thing. So I... so. Watching this back again, it kind of, kind of, definitely took me back uh, to you know my younger days. What I found out during this watch was that uh, the the mo- the movie is actually scored by Alan Silvestri, right. who did Back to the Future. So mm-hmm. that's pretty amazing, and I'm glad that it doesn't sound anything like Back to the Future. Right. I think I think it's his only all electronic soundtrack. Yeah, because um, Predator is like that, and Back to the Future sound exactly alike. You know, so yeah. some of the the score in, in that movie. So, uh, but yeah, it's it, it's really good. I I really dig the music and the score uh, in this movie. Um, but it, it, I think it is definitely one of those movies that I, I wore out the tape. You know that cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, I think I liked it because you know there were little aliens on on the ship and there was a kid navigating this you know the the aircraft. So it it's it's pretty sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking at it as an adult now. So the Wikipedia has it as a comic 
science fiction. Now, do you know if this is kind of based on any kind of source materials? No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, I think I think it's saying comic and like comedic that hmm, form. Okay, not, not based on like a graphic novel or anything. Got I, it. I was thinking about it and thinking about how like the early to mid eighties were a great time for movies that are headlined by children, mm-hmm. um, where you don't you don't get that that much anymore unless they're directly targeted at children. And you know, this one is, it's, it's a movie for kids, but I was kind of thinking back through the eighties and thinking about like the Goonies and explorers. Um, yeah. Explorers, right. E.T. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl, the one with the kid with oh, the yes. robot brain or whatever. Um, one Josh that, and Sam, that might've came later. Hmm. One, one that I was thinking of was cloak and dagger. Okay. Um, which I think I mentioned to you and I don't think you had heard of it, but, uh, mm-hmm. but it's another, it's kind of a spy movie, but, but there's a kid in it. Um, that's kind of the main character. I wonder if it's something I saw in school. I mean, because it kind of vaguely sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you mentioning, it, you know, it's got kids in it. So I, I think I might have seen it in school at a very young age. So uh, definitely uh, I want to go back and check that out. Um, but aside from Sarah Jessica Parker and the parents, because I, I think the parents are pretty uh, notable uh, as and also uh, Dr. Faraday. But do you know Joey Kramer and anything else? Um, as I recall, he was in Runaway with Tom Selleck, which is the one with the uh, with um, Gene Simmons from Kiss in it and the Mechanical Bugs, uh, which it's a movie mm. that my dad loved that movie. And so we we rented it like every six months back in the days where you had to go down to the video store and rent a VHS tape. Wow. It looks like his last, uh, let's see, he, he had a movie called Stone Fox in 1987 and then 1996, he had an uncredited role. So, so he got out of the game. Yeah, yeah. That, that's unfortunate because I thought he was really good in this movie. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so let's talk about the movie here. It um, it starts off with this this frisbee competition kind of thing. Yeah. You know, a little montage of dogs catching frisbees. I thought it was a nice fake out though to start with the disc flying across the cityscape. You know, and it's like a silver frisbee, but you don't realize it's a frisbee until it widens out and you see a, a dog catch it. They did that a couple times, actually, because mm-hmm. in this uh, shortly after, they there's a blimp, you know, right. flying above them. And is it me or it seemed as though everybody was kind of frozen for a split second? Yeah, it's like the moment of Independence Day when the, yeah. when the craft flies over. Yeah, yeah. So, so they do that. And then another instance is uh, later on when uh, David is walking through the forest and there's that water tower. I don't mm-hmm. know what they're actually called. And so they're, the, the way that is shot and framed, it almost like, oh, is that some sort of UFO kind of right. thing? Yeah. So, yeah, they, they do that a few times. I, I'm not familiar with the director, but um, it, this was just, um, I, I don't know. I, I really wish that there was somebody that could have joined us that it was their first time watching it, you know, to see if it still holds uh-huh. up. But for me, I yeah. feel like, I don't know, it could be a nostalgic thing. Like, yeah, this this is still working for me. Right. You know? Yeah. It's almost impossible to separate nostalgia out from something like this. But I, yeah, I did feel like it held up. So, and I'm sure we'll get back to that later. Yeah. The, the, the one thing, um, though, I, I forgot that they, uh, that this did kind of start off in 1978. Um, right. I don't know if they did a good enough job to kind of place it in that time, except for just the banner with the, with the date. Like, I don't, I don't know if David's clothes were very 70s or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't have clear enough memories of that time, really. <laughs> I think I think more than anything, the station wagon that they're driving in um, yeah. when, when they drop off the little brother and just kind of that whole idea of, um, mom, can I go play with these kids half a mile from, from where we live and then walk home later? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm eight years old. You know, like I would never, ever do that with my son. 
no, I wouldn't, but I did that myself. Oh yeah, me too. As kid, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it definitely has has changed over the years. Yeah. Uh, so David's playing with his dog named Bruiser, and uh, you know we mentioned uh, Jeff being his little brother, and you know I, I like their dynamic. They're they're just you know just like any other big brother little brother. You know they oh, are yeah. they're always bickering and fighting and they sniping at each other. Yeah, they have this thing where they call it you know take turns calling each other names. So that's you know that's mm-hmm. kind of cute. Um, no, yeah, so and, they, and they pay that off too. Yeah, oh yeah, it comes back a couple different times actually, mm-hmm. and. A little bit later on, David has to go pick up his brother. You mentioned it. You know, he got dropped off earlier. And so so we get David walking through the forest. And I guess Jeff jumps out of a tree and scares him. Yeah. And so with that happening, Jeff runs off. And mm-hmm. then Bruiser runs off. So David's um, looking after Bruiser. And at this point, this is when David falls off of the cliff. Right. And he wakes up and... Um, you know, it's 1986, which, you know, he doesn't know uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid and I was watching this, I I did not understand what was going on. I was just like, why are these people in this house? I didn't understand that it was eight years later. Right. So I think this is when like something like, uh, uh, you know, some, you know, the, the, the year at the bottom could have helped me as a kid. So did you ever have that? Um, uh, did, I mean, you were 13, so you probably understood it a lot more than me. Yeah, I don't I don't recall being confused in particular by it. Um and you know, they don't tell you for quite some time how long he's been gone. Like the first the first real intimation you get um that he's been been missing is at the police station. Yes, which um, was a great scene. And oh yeah. The, the the police officer too was 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 very good. Yeah. Another reason that this particular scene with the, the this old man and woman who are living in his home, why it confused me, because also the old man calls him son twice. Right. So you can imagine as a kid, however old I was, you know, maybe four or five, six, something like that. Yeah. Like, well, he's calling him son. What's going on? I'm confused. Yeah. But um, yeah, we, we do go to the uh, the police station where before that though, I mean, kind of talking about Joey Kramer's performance, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when he just breaks down on the stairs and says, where's my mom and dad, such a good scene. Very good scene. It really, it really got me here uh, for sure. And, and more so this, uh, upcoming scene here at the police station where, um, the, the, there's a, uh, a, a male officer and a female officer and they're discussing, you know, okay, well, the, here's a missing photo of David Freeman, but look at the date; it's 1978. So right. it, it, you know, gets a little, little interesting here. Now, I don't know uh, if you, you know, which which episodes you've actually listened to this show, but I, I think it was on the Hard to Kill episode mm. that I did. Did you ever listen to that one? I'm not sure I listened to that episode, but I'm definitely familiar with the movie. Yeah, so in that episode, and, you know, I am completely open with uh, sharing this story, but in in the episode where I reviewed Hard to Kill, I talk about how in 2007, uh, Phoenix was actually abducted by his mother. Wow. So he actually went missing for four months, and, you know, I had to work with a, a detective and also the uh, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And so there were missing posters of him all around. We didn't know where he was. The only upside was that we knew he was with his mother. So right. he, you know, it was kind of safe to assume that he was in no danger. But, um, you know, long story short, I fought for him, and we, we got him back. You know, I yeah. have full physical custody with him. So this scene, it really hit with me. Yeah. You know, that, just him going missing. It, now, Phoenix wasn't gone for eight years, but four months felt like eight years to us. Sure. 
you know? Yeah. When you think about it, I mean, just that whole premise of kid goes into the woods and doesn't come out, you know, you don't see him for eight years and assume he's dead. It's so horrifying as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. There's never any good news that comes Mm -hmm. out of something like that. You know, yeah. so I can imagine how terrible the parents felt, especially the mom saying, hey, yeah, go, go, go get your brother. I, it's getting dark soon. So hurry up, you right. know, kind of thing like well, maybe they should have driven. Yeah. But even Jeff, we find out, you know, I, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but even he says, you know, after you went missing every Saturday or Sunday, what it was, you know, mm-hmm. he had to go put out like new missing posters and uh, it was rough for them. Yeah. Um, so we the the police officers, they take him to his new home. Uh, and I like the scene in the car, too, because um, they they keep telling him, hey, we need to ask you some questions for our report. Right. And they keep asking him questions about, like, you know, what would pertain to 1986. But he keeps answering, and uh, you know, as things were in 1978. Right. So yeah. who's the uh, president? Who's Duh. the president? Yeah. Duh, Jimmy Carter. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. That kind of took me back to like the whole uh, back to the future. Like, oh, who, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan, who's the right. president, Jerry Lewis, <laughs> you know, so it kind of reminded me of that. So I thought that was yeah, pretty yeah. funny. When they get to the parents' house, you know, like the look on David's face, he's like, dad, you know, so he runs out there and he, as he gets closer, he notices, you know, his parents have, have noticed noticeably uh, aged. Yeah. And this gave me the chills right here because mm-hmm. like, you know, they're being reunited with, with their son, and I had my moment of uh, reunion as well. So yeah. that, that gave me all types of chills. How, how did that make you feel, uh, being a father yourself? Yeah, I mean, similar. I have never had anything like you said happen. But, um, but you know, the idea of being reunited with your, your kid who you thought was dead. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a good performance from the parents, too. I mean, just the look Absolutely. of shock. And I think they did a good job actually making them look older. And not just older, but like that the years had been tough. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. More so, I, I think, well, the dad, but the mom, they did something with her hair. Yeah. Because I think a little bit later on, she actually kind of goes back to looking how she did before, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, nice and pretty again, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The years were definitely tough on them. I mean, just imagine eight years, your son just disappears, out, you know, nowhere, yeah. no traces at all. So they they take him to the hospital to run some tests. And uh, you know, this is where they asked, you know, you know, where have you been? And David's like, well, get Jeff, you know, he'll tell you. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff shows up and he's 16 years old, you know, yeah. a young teenager. Yeah. This is totally and, rad. <laughs> yeah. And using, using the slang, you know, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Even his shirt was, yeah. was completely eighties. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he dressed exactly like I dressed in junior high. Um, oh, that's funny. Only I was a little nerdier. So no. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I guess we don't really know Jeff well enough to say whether or not he was nerdy, but um, yeah, yeah, the specs going, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, those are really in now. Yeah, um, and I mean, people wear glasses that aren't even pres- prescription, right? You know, yeah, hipster so, glasses, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I do like how David and older Jeff is, uh, you know, this this uh, little talk that they have because. David is obviously he's still like he doesn't believe any of this and and he's just like well I don't I don't believe you know you're Jeff you know this can't be and he's just like well h- how how do you think I feel you know like the last time I saw you 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 were yeah. eight you're supposed to be like twenty now mm-hmm. so um, so that's interesting you know one thing that I didn't mention because it wasn't that big of a deal but he does have this crush yeah uh, Jennifer Bradley I think right. what's yeah, her name yeah. I would have liked to yeah, seen her as twenty year, years old too but but they didn't have a relationship or anything. But yeah, you know, I think I think to the credit of the movie, they kept this story very focused. It was very well paced. Yeah, 
Absolutely. It was a fast hour and a half for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like that there, you know, a lot of movies are going to have that kind of love interest thing going in there. Mm-hmm. And the closest they have is with Sarah Jessica Parker. But yeah, um, but I, I was kind of glad they didn't go that way. Yeah. Maybe she could have been. No, I think that would have been much if she was Jennifer Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a little too convenient. Yeah. A, a little too convenient because um, I... Uh, again, like watching this as an adult, I never caught that Jennifer, uh, I'm sorry, Jessica, um, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, uh, uh, Car- Caroline, right? Mm-hmm. So she is actually an intern and she even drops a line that, you know, her dad's in the military. So anytime he gets new orders, she has to pack up and leave. Yeah. So I was like, she's an intern at NASA? Like, okay, well, I, I, thought, I thought that was just kind of interesting. I never caught that she was an intern before. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like... I, mean, I, I suppose you could be an intern, but I thought that was just a an interesting um, thing to make her character, you know, mm-hmm. as an intern and not just somebody that works there. Yeah, uh, you you have your interns go into highly secured areas, do you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that's kind of what I'm getting to. Like, yeah, she's uh, and then she's working with this person who could possibly be uh, what did he call himself um, a national security threat. Yeah, there, there we go. Twelve year old kid. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it, it's fine. What, what did you think of uh, Sarah Jessica Parker? You know, she's never made that much of an impression on me. Like, I, I never watched Sex in the City. Um, mm-hmm. I, I never quite got her her appeal. Um, and, okay. and, you know, different strokes, I suppose. Um, I remember yeah. her in L.A. Story. I think she was in that one with Steve Martin. Oh, okay. Um, I, it's been a while. Yeah. I, boy, I hope that was her. I could be totally <laughs> wrong. But well, yeah, was, well, the, the lead was Daryl Hannah, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I oh, could that's, be that's Roxanne. That's, that's Roxanne, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's Roxanne. Okay, yeah, my bad. Um, the, I think the only thing I kind of liked her in was Hocus Pocus. Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever seen that one. Oh, okay. Um, I remember like seeing the cover of that movie and Bette Midler with the buck teeth and like, Ugh. <laughs> like, like it was a turnoff. I'm like, I'm not watching that movie. Yeah, I, I enjoy it actually. Uh, it's it's one of my go tos for Halloween. Uh, oh, season. nice. Mm-hmm. I'll consider that. It's not a great movie, but it's a fun one. You know, it's a family family movie. Hey, fun is underrated, man. Yeah. Um, I did think though, uh, really good chemistry with, with Sarah Jessica Parker and Joey Kramer. Like they played mm-hmm. really well off each other. Um, one thing that I thought was funny, um, when she's asking if she can get him anything, and he asks for a Big Mac fries and a Coke, um, and she goes off on, you know, well, that depends, you know, if because he's like, if those things still exist. Right. Um, right. After he finds out that what Starsky and Hutch have been canceled, canceled, yeah, for a um, few years, and and so he's like, yeah, get me a Coke if the if those things still exist, and she's like, well, that depends. If you do you want new Coke, classic Coke, cherry Coke, or caffeine free Coke or whatever, um, which is funny because of course new Coke doesn't exist anymore. I do clearly remember it, um, but I remember we had it taped. We had the movie taped off of uh, television. Mm-hmm. And so I watched it over and over and over. And on the television cut, they took the branding out. So instead of Coke, it was cola. So it was wow. new cola, classic cola, Terry cola. Um, That's interesting that they do things like that with, you know, like TV edits. Yeah. yeah. Well, pro- product placement, right? So. Oh, right. Absolutely. Um, David woke up in the, the middle of the night and he keeps hearing voices. Uh, yeah. And I guess Jeff kind of stayed at the hospital with him just to kind of watch over him. Uh, what do you think about the, the, the spaceship and the look of it? I thought it was really cool that it it looked organic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it looked like a seashell almost. Um, and I'm I'm curious what the mixture of practical and computer effects were because you know it's 1986. It's not like they had the special effects budget to do everything with with CG. So it must have been a pretty large you know model 
Yeah, because I'm thinking like, how do they make the the steps stay still too? You know, I'm sure there's yeah. some some pretty neat practical effects for that, but even that was very effective. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the um, production notes here, and uh, the the ship was rendered in CGI by Omnibus Computer Animation under the supervision of a Jeff Kleiser, uh, hmm. who is the brother of the director. So oh, interesting. So if that means anything to you, Mm-mm. yeah, me, me neither. No, that that's back before uh, Industrial Light and Magic did everything. That's right. Yep. Yep. Um, so we do see uh, Dr. Faraday, who is in charge of something at NASA, you know, with this uh, yeah. with, with the ship um, kind of being out in the middle of the field here. And, you know, they can't gain uh, access to this because, you know, they they're not hooked up to it like uh, like David is. Mm-hmm. But um, David is hooked up to like a EKG test kind of thing. I, I don't yeah. know what it's called. EEG maybe. Okay. Yeah. And um, so they're, you know, they're asking him questions and he apparently like his mind is communicating uh, with the computer. And I kind of dug the graphics, you know, they didn't look, you know, cheesy or anything like that. They actually looked pretty good, you know, with the, some of the foreign characters, you know, to, to make it alien-like and stuff. Yeah. 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 And then a lot of vector graphics, What's which that? was, um, that's where it's lines, you know, instead, instead of fully rendered surfaces, you just have lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the first time that they, they see the ship when they, I think they ask him, how did you get out of the ravine? Mm-hmm. And, and he, he ends up saying, I climbed out, but his brain shows the picture of the, the ship. And that's what triggers Faraday to find him. So what do you think about that? Like where he is responding one way, but the screen is showing up something else. You know, it's in with, it's, it's within the, uh, Hollywood fudge factor where I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, so you were able to get the computers to be on just the perfect wavelength and his brain knows how to speak, you know, whatever computer you're, you're using. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really dug this scene just, you know, the, 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 you know, it, it just looks very scientific. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, oh, and it's effective. And yeah. It, it, it does not look uh, cheesy and uh, out of place or anything. Even the point when uh, he sneaks out and there's these two guys trying to sound the alarms and everything. And they look like they were going all th- through these, you know, procedures as if somebody in NASA probably would. I don't know. They, they made it look you know pretty believable, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. Um, so NASA wants to study David, uh, but he doesn't want to. But Dr. Faraday convinces the family, uh, you know, hey, just for 48 hours. And I just want to get you guys the truth. Don't you want to know where he's been, why he hasn't aged and all that? And I think that's a, actually a pretty fair question. Yeah. But what would you have done? Would you say, no, I just, I got my son. We'll just leave it at that. Or would you want the answers as well? I think I would want the answers. I mean, I think, I, and I could definitely identify with the dad where he's, he's like, look, David doesn't want to stay. We're out of here. That's, that's final. And then Faraday calls them back with that compelling argument that, well, Fine, you can go home. But what's your life going to be like not knowing the answers to any of these questions? I know. It's, it would be so weird. I mean, because if you look at it from um, both perspectives here, David's going to sit there and like he's missed eight years, you know. Uh, and on the flip side, you know, there um, to his family, he hasn't aged at all. So, yeah. So there's a lot of catching up for David to do. But yeah, I, I think I'd want answers as well. That's just, a, like you said, a very compelling argument that, um, that uh, it'd be hard for for me to say nope, you know, just leave us alone. I I think I'd want answers as well. Yeah, and you know, I I think uh, in scientific movies like this, they always say you know, there's always like a scientific uh, explanation for everything, right? So right. I would be curious to see what they could have come up with, which I, I don't think they came up with anything in this movie. Um, 
what do you think of his room? You know, you got to see some, uh, you know, some pretty neat toys from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, and including a remote control wand for the television. Yeah, which... <laughs> that, so that's what they were called back then? A wand? I don't remember. I, I mean, I, I remember having a television where the remote control was, my dad would tell me to go change the channel, you know. Right. And I'd go up there and, <laughs> you and were the actually, controller. yeah, I was the controller. <laughs> kind of like I was the garage door opener and the snow blower. Oh, right. Um, sorry, I grew up in Alaska, so. Ah. Um, but yeah, I, I remember having a television with like a wired remote. Mm-hmm. And then, and then later on, you had the the actual wireless ones. Okay, but I guess it was fairly new. I mean, it would be new for a kid from 1978. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he hasn't even seen. Well, yeah, they were already color by this time, but you know, he had never seen a a, a music video. Right. No MTV. Which I, I I don't know who that band was. Do you happen to? Know? I don't. No. Okay. Some generic they were, uh, okay. European group. That's what I was going to ask if they were fictional. So we get the at this point. This one we get the introduction of. Uh, uh, Caroline McAdams, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, but we, we talked about her. And so she controls this, uh, I, uh, do we want to call it like some type of droid? It's almost like uh, R2-D2 in, in a sense. Yeah, right, he Ralph. Mail. Yeah, Ralph. I, I didn't write the, I was trying to look for the, the uh, what it stands for. Um, yeah, but, robotic assistant, <laughs> robotic assistant something facilitator, labor facilitator. That could be it, yeah, because yeah. I, I know, you know, he's got like a mail slot on him, but he also delivers David his food, so um, kind of a transporter kind of thing. Yeah, so, um, I, I think it's supposed to give you the idea in 1986 that, hey, NASA is this, you know, 20 years ahead technology place. Yeah. At the same time, it's interesting, too, because, you know, we think of NASA as this almost universal good that we should throw as much money at as possible, right? Mm-hmm. In this, they're kind of the big bad. Yeah, a little bit. Although you can understand their motivations as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the chemistry between the, the, the two characters right here. And, um, you know, it, it's funny how uh, Caroline, she's talking about Twist's sister. And he's like, well, yeah. I went to a Bee Gees concert with my mom. So uh, so I like that. I like, I like Bee Gees and ABBA. Hey. You know, I, I, I grew up with some 70s music as well. Huh? The Bee Gees are underrated. Um, yeah. It's it's not all disco. No, so. no. Um. Okay, so we we, see, we get more. Actually, no. There's a the phone call with the family, uh, you know, where we see Doctor Faraday. He's kind of you know listening in and trying to uh, explain himself. If you know David kind of mis uh, misspeaks, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that was fine. It was, it was it was a brief scene, but you know, I guess David mentioned it earlier. Like, hey, you know, I don't I get to talk to my to my family? And Doctor Faraday's like, oh, you know, we can do that in my office. So they're they're really keeping like an eye on him. Yeah. Um, kind of. So in his room, he's got this two-way mirror and also like a, a curtain, you know, if he needs to change or something for, for you know, privacy kind of. So um, definitely a prisoner at, at NASA, I'd say. Yeah. I think it's funny that he ends up wearing essentially the same clothes through the entire movie. Yeah, that, that's Even, it. I mean, I guess it only takes place over two or three days, but. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you're right because uh, 48 hours with them and then like when his time was almost up, yeah, Caroline tells him, "Yeah, that hey, you're going to be here for at least uh, the rest of the week." That was that was like the one. I feel like Joy Kramer is a really good actor for a kid, and like the one bad take in the movie is when she tells him that he's still on the schedule for the rest of the week, and and he, he like freaks out and says, "That's impossible! They promised me," and and his face kind of has a bit of a grin on it. Um, I feel like if they would have gone back and tried that one one more time. Uh, that would have been good because it wasn't wasn't a good take from him. But yeah, it, it it was interesting because I know he was trying to play up 
you know, something there. The anger. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the, the, the guys behind the window kind of thing. And then, yeah, he moves off to the side to, you know, to ask her uh, to help. I do like when he shows that uh, he knows about the, the two-way glass. Or the two-way oh, mirror. right. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He shouts at them. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm sure somebody told him that he was going to be watched or something. Right. And he said, don't you think I watch television? Oh, yeah. Okay. See, yeah. you can't learn something from TV. Hey. The Man from yeah. Uncle was on in the seventies. It was huge. So, oh, okay. I I haven't seen the remake, but uh, I haven't either. The TV show I've never seen. Oh yeah, I love that show. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we got another scene of some more testing. This time with Doctor Faraday, and there's like a electrical interference with the computers. And again, we get more answers uh, uh, coming on the screen. This is where they find out that David has been in Phalon uh, right. all this time, and I guess it it's a. Uh, uh, light speed. There's there's these big numbers where it's like what two point two, um, well it's basically four point four hours. Uh, both of ways. Transit time. Yeah. Yeah. So that that equates to your eight years, uh, and that's where he's been. Yeah, I I have some familiarity with special relativity, and this is this is my first introduction to that whole concept of of time dilation. Um, I'm not sure that any numbers ever work out for for traveling. 560 light years, I think it said, something like that. In, Sounds about right, yeah. In 2.2 hours, equating to eight hours on Earth. Um, I'm not sure how the math works out on that. But, you know, again, who cares? Yep. Disney movie. Yeah. Yep. Now, now, if this was like uh, Martian or, or right. uh, uh, Interstellar, you know? It, yeah, they're not going for hard science fiction. Yeah, it's exactly. Okay. Um, okay, so he asked uh, Caroline for help, and she he asks her to go contact his parents let them know what's going on yeah because uh a little bit later uh mr freeman calls dr faraday and dr faraday lies about you know david uh, escaping right and i think i probably would have done that too like you you don't want to alarm the parents that hey i lost your son yeah david wakes up to the ship calling him Mm -hmm. and he uh escapes inside ralph uh, and this this whole escape scene is actually kind of long. It is kind of long with that yeah, with that yeah. rad uh, action music, electronic soundtrack going. Yeah, I I, I dig it. But yeah, yeah him him going to the ship and then him at the ship and then him finally leaving NASA. Like that was a good chunk of time uh, in, yeah. in the movie here. But it it, it was fine. You know, it, it, I, again, I talk about the pacing is actually uh, pretty good here. Yeah, that that scene though, when the uh, when the stairs melt out of the side of the ship, just mm-hmm. I mean, mind completely blown when I was a kid by that. Oh yeah, I, I think it still works. You know, it, it does. Uh, yeah. You know, this is this is also before you know T two. You know, where right. we don't see like or the uh, abyss. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah, the see the abyss. I, I probably saw a lot later. When did abyss come out? Eighty eight. I think it was eighty nine. Okay. Same summer as Batman. So, I think. Yeah. As so I still after this. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Batman was eighty nine. Yeah, and that's kind of that first first time that you get that liquid, that fully rendered liquid kind of thing going that mm-hmm. they ended up using then in T two. Yeah. So yeah, it was it's pretty good for them. You know, I I think they could if if it was redone today, you know, they could they could put a better effect in there, but I thought it was perfectly adequate for the time. Oh, absolutely. For nineteen this is almost thirty years ago. We we're actually approaching his thirtieth anniversary. Yeah. So, hey, good timing. Uh, yeah, perfect timing. And we didn't even plan that at all. But I'll, again, I'll, I'll put this out around that, uh, you know, the 30 year anniversary. Sweet. So we meet Max. Um, and for the longest time, I didn't know that this was Pee Wee. Right. Because, you know, when he first talks, it's all slowed down. 
you know, mm -hmm. so he's got more of a, a deeper voice. And so it's mm -hmm. not when uh, until he scans David where he becomes more humanized and actually talks like Paul Rubens. Right. So I, 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 I just thought that, oh, Pee Wee was big around then. That's why they're trying to sound like him. So mm -hmm. so the, the, how when did do you recall when you found out that was Pee Wee? Um, no, I don't really recall. I, I remember being aware of it from, from pretty early on, but I, I wasn't a fan of Pee Wee Herman at the oh, time. Okay. And so, but, but I was aware of him. And so I think, yeah, when he started doing the obvious kind of Pee Wee voice, you and know, well, excuse me. Yeah. Um, then, then I was, I think I was aware of that. There, there's a lot of traveling here. Um, mm -hmm. you know, in this last half hour of the movie, uh, we do find out from Max that before leaving earth, he accidentally crashed while, was it looking at a flower or something? Yeah, looking at daisies. <laughs> looking at daisies. <laughs> and uh, by crashing, it erased all of the computer star charts and uh, data. So yeah. um, Max needs the information in David's brain to right. return home. Which they had conveniently put in there. Yeah. Um, because they, they they did the stupid 10% of your brain trope. Right, um, right. That's, that's, you know, completely BS. But, um, you know, we, we filled up the rest of it with star charts. Yeah. Just to see what would happen. Right. And so we, we do also find out that Max can time travel, mm -hmm. uh, which which kind of came out of nowhere. And, you know, that explains why David is, you know, uh, in 1986. But the reason that Max hasn't returned him uh, back to his home, because he feels that the you know humans might be too fragile and they don't know what's going to happen, that he could possibly die. Yeah. You know, so uh, what do you think about the the other specimen that was collected uh, to, for study on uh, aboard the, the ship? The alien petting zoo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, really, the uh, the hand puppets. Yeah, the uh, my brother and I we used to get creeped out by by the one that ate his uh, baseball cap. Uh huh. That was kind of scary, and then also the the really large eyeball. Right. Yeah, with the weird ayayay thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, that, that's <laughs> it, really weird. If if any part of the movie doesn't hold up to me, it's that part. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can totally see the wires on the Puck Marin. Um and and it's a little weird that um Max tells him, you know, be careful with that one. Once it bites, it never lets go. And like there's no glass or anything separating oh, right. him from it. So like need to get OSHA on board that ship. Yeah. Um, and uh, put in some safety standards there. You're right. What what if um see like they're they're not even very secure because what if they're flying upside down like would they all just come out of whatever yeah. casing there are because you're right there's no glass or anything no lid so many science fiction films you know they play pretty fast and loose with with how gravity works mm -hmm. and 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 this is clearly kind of a an intimation that well this ship this ship has its own gravity but then later on when they're doing stuff like going straight 20 miles up you know then he's floating on the ceiling um so they, they kind of have it both ways and I don't really care. It's it's a Disney yeah. movie. Uh, uh, underwater, like okay, well, the ship probably has uh, oxygen supply. Probably, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, it's a very different thing to build a hull to hold in atmosphere than to hold out water. So. So see, that's why you're on the show for fact checking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like you, you don't want to take a spaceship and sink it into the ocean. That's not not what it's meant for. By the same token, submarines in space, I'm not sure it would work. Yeah. Uh, we spend a lot of time just, you know, uh, exposition. You know, we, we spend a lot of time with uh, David and Max kind of, mm -hmm. you know, learning about humans and, and uh, Max trying to understand humans with, uh, uh, you know, privacy. You know, where the scene where David goes out to, to use the restroom. Yeah, um, yeah. For me, I was just like, come on, uh, David. Like, clearly he is a robotic alien or something. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. 
Yeah. But he should understand that, yeah, he doesn't understand that you're trying to go relieve yourself. Like maybe you could have said something right. like that rather than like, hey, just give me privacy. Like, you know. That Do not understand thing, so. privacy. Yeah, but, but you know he is twelve years old in the movie, yeah. so so I, I guess I get that. Um, the NASA they find out that Caroline was the last person to see uh, David, and I was thinking if they knew that, shouldn't they have like gone straight to her? Because yeah. that was the question, like who was it? And they they had the answer, like well, why didn't you go to her already? Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, Disney. Did you catch in the petting zoo part? There's one one thing was like called a phenosaurus or something from the Pixar elliptic. Is that the one with the smoke inside the glass? Or yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was. But, okay. but just the the Pixar. I'm like, how I I don't know like the origin of the Pixar production company. I don't I either. From I, Disney, I heard, right? I heard the word, but I thought that it might have been like part of a, like a, a bigger word. So I, yeah. I did catch that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. One of the other scenes I like while they're traveling is, uh, you know, David's young. He, he doesn't know where he's going. He's just trying to get home. Mm-hmm. And there's one point they show up in Tokyo, and that's probably the worst graphics. Green screen. Green yeah. screen, yeah. The superimposed uh, Tokyo in the background. Of course, everybody in Tokyo takes pictures. Yep. Because that's 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 what Asian people did in movies, right? Yes, absolutely. I, I think they still do that. <laughs> but uh, you know, because I went to Hawaii just a few years ago, and uh, the Japanese they still carry around those big cameras taking pictures. So nice. um, definitely, definitely not a stereotype. They do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, w- one of the other ones uh, I, I like the the scene is when they go to was it Florida Keys, and there's Big Al or Big something Al's like that. Gator Shack. Yeah, and. And so he wants to phone home. So there's your little ET joke there. Oh yeah, and yeah, uh, little, little fat shaming there from Max though. Hey, Blimbo, yeah. you know, it's so not cool, man. I like that. This this family shows up, and the dad's trying to talk to like Big Al. He's like, so you know, uh, um, I, I think he asked about like the construction of it. Like, oh, that must have took a while. And yeah, like Big Al's just like standing there, just staring at the ship. Like, uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I did like that. And then when it takes off, and and like you said, he. Just said he wanted to phone home. <laughs> yeah, so good, good line of delivery. Uh, what yeah. what were some of the scenes that you liked? I mean, you you're kind of covering the the scenes that I would have picked out. I I will mm-hmm. say that you know, like the the transformation of the ship mm-hmm. um, was was a really cool effect. Um, and of course, kind of going back to that idea of the ship being able to control gravity, it's like it's got to be able to do something with inertia too. Because when it takes off from there, I mean, David should have been just a splat on the back of that ship. You're right. Um, but yeah, some of those effects of him going over the landscapes and stuff, you know, I like I was along for the ride when I saw that movie. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really cool. It'd be interesting to see it in like an Omnimax theater with the wraparound screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and some some of those uh, some of those scenes, I think, would be would make you a little dizzy. Like Omzi for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I would definitely see that. Um, I, I had a question. And I, I don't really recall this, and, and maybe you do. I mean, you're, you're a little younger than I am, but did you have to put in coins to make a collect call? No, no. It's just you just dial zero. You're right. Why did yeah. he get coins from Big Al? I mean, this is this is uh, well before the 1-800-COLLECT or anything like that. But Yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. That that did not make sense. That's, that's the point of a collect call. No money. Yeah, yeah. I think they were trying to establish that uh, Big Al wasn't really paying attention. Yeah, you gave him the money anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, yeah, I think you're right. Um, good, good catch there. So the call that he makes, uh, it is to to Jeff and NASA is there because they're clearly waiting for David. And um, David's like, "Hey, I don't know where the new house is. Can you light up some fireworks or give me some kind of signal?" 
mm-hmm. you know, so so I know where it is. And so, uh, so basically, he finally gets to the house, and there's this um, bit of a like decision that he has to make, like stay here with a family that he doesn't really quite know, or risk, you know, possibly dying, going back to you know to to where he left off. Yeah. And so so he decides he convinces Max, go ahead, take me, take me, uh, you know, back in time to to 1978. Mm, so yeah. would you have done the same thing? Would you have risked it? Yeah, I think so. I could I could identify with him saying, you know, that is my family, but this is not my home. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't belong here. Eight years is a long time. Yeah, it totally is. Um, what, one other thing that I did like though, um, was when they they came across the car with the. I don't know. They, they oh, the almost geeks. seemed like greasers to me. Yeah, yeah the geeks. The, the geeks. Um, but uh, and they're listening to some weird Euro music, you know, from the eighties, and and uh, and then they search around and of course find the the Beach Boys because what's more American than that, right? That's right. Absolutely. Uh, they did that in Rush Hour as well. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so I, I dug that. Um, I I don't know how I missed that. Oh, I haven't even got to that part in my notes. That's why. Oh, nice. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So so uh, Max apparently liked music he's like what what is that sound and he plays that too and so mm-hmm. he's able to pick up like over 200 million frequencies or 2 million frequencies something like that yeah. something ridiculous and so they were he put on uh opera it's like well, how about this yeah, and then that's not music yeah then he put on like some kind of like foreign music and then ultimately uh leading up to the beach boys i get around which very fitting for for the oh, yeah. scene so at one point uh, max and david go back and forth kind of bickering at one another you know because uh max has said that you know the human species are inferior and all this and then i forget what david actually says to him but then max is like well i'll show you you and forces him to kind of navigate the ship on his own right well he says something like if if i was flying this thing would be home by now oh right and so i really i really liked that you know because it, it looked like he was legitimately trying to figure out how to you know you know find the switch to to actually start navigating. So, you know, him just, yeah. uh, just that physical acting there, I, I thought really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and then when he's flying, you know, with the cool controls and stuff, mm-hmm. like that's such a wish fulfillment thing. Like, like every, every dorky teenager, you know, is like, Oh, I, if I could have my own spaceship, you know, fly my own ship, that would be so rad. But it's, it's pretty cool. I, I like the controls too, where you got these, um, gosh, these arm rests, you know, that kind of, you know, move side to side mm-hmm. and that kind of uh, navigates the, the, the spaceship. So it's pretty cool. So I'm glad that it just wasn't like some kind of um, steering wheel or something. You know, it, it kind of is in a sense, but they, you know, they make it look a little bit different. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, we already talked about uh, David asking Max to take him back in time. And so he goes back to the evening that he disappeared. And along with him, he brings the... Um, the Puck Marin. Yes, the Puck Marin. So, yeah. Well, it's, its planet has been destroyed by a comet, right? Yeah, but he doesn't know that. So yep. uh, I'm glad that uh, David adopted him. So mm-hmm. uh, so that that's uh, the end of the movie. Do you have anything else that I might have missed? Uh, uh, you know, I think the effects on the time travel portion were actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And, and in general, um, and I guess this is where we are, right? Kind of summing up. Um, the effects in this movie really hold up pretty well, considering. I mean, for a 30-year-old movie. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I wonder. I, I think I saw something that they were there was like a remake kind of in the works. Yeah, but the last bit of note was like from 2012. So yeah, you know. So ho- hopefully, you know, this movie still holds up. You you don't need a remake. You don't, but I I do feel like 
the concept of it is pretty simple. Um, you know, it's it's not like it is a completely out of left field um, story. It's a it's an alien alien abduction story, and we've done tons of those. And so it, that kind of argues against doing a remake. But you know, even though the effects hold up pretty well, I think you probably could do this again. And maybe if you did a remake of this, you'd make it a little less kid focused. So like, mm-hmm. get rid of the petting zoo part of it. Yes. Um, so I think I think if they were going to do something like that, I'd like to see it not quite focus so much at targeted at kids because we already have that one and it's really good. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I want to see more stakes, you know, yeah. in, in all of this, a uh, little bit more uh, turmoil with the the family versus the government kind of thing. You there know, we go. Kind of like an ET a little bit. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, going back to that there. Uh, do you want to give a rating for this movie uh, out of five stars? Um, I'd probably go for, you know, just the, I do have a couple problems with the movie, but it's impossible to separate the nostalgia too. I mean, it's a really good film. Um, and there's a lot worse films out there now, you know, yeah. films that they make that, that are targeted to kids now, I feel like are, are just kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. And and this one, it's not super, super smart, but it also doesn't just like hit you over the head with exposition and explain every little thing. I feel like it, it, like you said, that beginning, like there's the potential for somebody who's not paying attention to not quite get what's going on until they clarify that it's 1986 and he came from 1978. Yeah. And the whole escape, you know, him going to the ship, you know, there's like no dialogue for minutes, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, there, there's things like that too. Um, yeah. I, I think I feel confident in giving it a four and a half. You know, I really, really uh, enjoyed uh, this watch. And I thought that I would kind of fall off, you know, uh, being older and it being like a Disney kids movie. But, um, you know, I I was still on board. You know, I think I got more of the feels with the whole uh, abduction thing. So, you know, I I think I think, you know, being able to relate to that kind of made it um, kind of personal, personal to me. And so, yeah, I I, I really dug this movie. I, I, I can't wait to watch it again. Um, I can't wait to, you know, to show my kids, you know, and I, yeah. I, I don't know why I don't own this movie. Maybe it's just not something I see, you know, at the local Best Buy or anything, but it's, you know, in my opinion, it's, it's worth owning for sure. So, um, so yeah, yeah, I agree. Re- really enjoyed it. It's funny because, uh, you know, we were planning on doing this a few weeks ago and didn't get to do it. And, and when we kind of postponed, I'm like, sweet, I'll get to watch the movie again right beforehand. So, oh, so was- at, the, at, the, at the time there wasn't a whole lot of time to rewatch it. Well, yeah, I mean, I like I I wanted to watch it again, so, oh, so oh, I, was, I, I was kind of glad for the opportunity to go back and rewatch it before we talked about it. Ah, okay, I see what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I was a very uh, unprofessional uh, host here at the beginning, where I introduced you, but I didn't give you a chance to talk about your show. So, at this point, if the listeners aren't familiar with you, can you talk about uh, "Take Me to Your Reader," what you guys do, and sure. maybe uh, another episode to uh, uh, have them start with if they haven't yeah. checked it out yet. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, remembering that. And it's a good time to do it, right? Toward the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Take Me to Your Reader is a podcast I do with my friends James and Colin, and we talk about adapted science fiction. So um, usually that means a book or a short story that was adapted into a film, sometimes multiple films, like a film and a remake. Um, and we'll we'll read the book and watch the movies and then rank them. Um, and it's a lot of fun to do. Actually, the episode I just posted today was on 2001, A Space Odyssey. And, uh, you know, that's a classic film and kind of controversial as well. And like, not all of us liked it. Um, and so that's, that's probably a good one to start with actually. Okay. There you go. And where can listeners find you on, uh, on social media? 
So I guess I, I should explain this here as well. Um, so Colin and James and I actually run together. And so we, we, uh, we call each other the Pavement Pounders. And so that's our social media username is Pavement Podcast. And so you can find us pavementpodcast.com. Um, Facebook, you can search for Take Me to Your Reader um, and on Twitter as well. Um, but Pavement Podcast is the actual username on Twitter and Facebook. All right. So, yeah. um, so uh, Hydrate Level 4, you know, is part of the uh, Following Films Podcast Network, along with Original Remake, where, uh, Seth, you uh, guested with me again on Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. um, which I, I, I believe I talked with my co-host Mike, and he was planning on um, – George Clooney's got that movie coming up soon, The Money Monsters. I think he was going to drop the Ocean's Eleven again for that. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, so, so, so look out for that for uh, uh, on thefollowingfilms.com. And also on there, you can find other great podcasts uh, such as Pop Culture Case Study with my good buddy Dave and, you know, the guys over at the True Romance Film Podcast. Uh, If you're into lists, Devin and I on We Got Five, we pick a topic every week and we discuss our top five favorites and we have a pretty good banter. Um, Yeah, you do. Yeah, probably not something for work if you are... uh, how do I say we have uh, we use very colorful language on that show, so definitely not like something on hydrate level four. So, right. uh, you know, disclaimer there for those that don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, if anybody was a fan of Full House, Devin and I also covered uh, Fuller House uh, uh, episode by episode, basically a fan podcast for the fans on our uh, sister podcast called TV Eight by Brain. Uh, so so check that out there. But if you give us a like on Facebook, I post all of my episodes on there as well for easier access to my content. So again, on Twitter, I'm at HLF Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Peter, and this is Hydrate Level 4. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, I get around. Yeah, the bad guys know us and they leave us alone. I get around.